Never count on Danny. I mean, he's not gonna, you can always count on Danny. <laughs> not never count on Danny, always. He never disappoints. Uh, I didn't ask him to dance. I didn't ask him to do any of those extra things, but he went for it. Uh, how many of you knew that song, Either Campus, online, just shout out the name of the song. What is it? End of the Road. It's right there in the song. Okay. Who knows the artist? Just shout it out. Boys to Men. I'm so proud of you guys right now. I feel like I've accomplished something. I love Boys to Men. They're one of my uh, favorite R&B groups. And uh, anyway, listen, if you just, I like to say this, if you just walked in or you just tuned in or this is your first time here, you're in the right place. Uh, that was not the end of worship. Uh, that is the open to the message today. Uh, we're in a series called Love Songs. And so I want to take a minute right now and just welcome in our family joining us right now over at the South Campus and all of our family joining us online wherever you are watching from and a special shout out to the Upshur County Jail. Come on, North Campus. Let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. Uh, we're grateful that you're with us on this journey today in Love Songs. This is week three of Love Songs. It's a relationship series that we are learning and growing through. And, uh, you know, that song particularly this morning, I don't know if you've noticed this about love songs uh, because I, I listen to a lot of them. If you really listen to the words, most of them aren't love songs. Most of them are actually sad songs. Most of them are like, I wish I was still with you songs or, you know, the breakup songs. And uh, so I thought about some today. Um, I'm not going to sing as many um, because I, I just, I'm not, anyway. Uh, so if you know this is a little bit older, if you know this one, just, just go along with it, okay? Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. I got a section right here. I appreciate this section right here. Anybody know the next words? Only dark days, yeah. It's a sad song. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. I'm sad all the time. It's, there's no warmth in the sun anymore. How many of you know who that is? A little bit older. Bill Withers. Bill Withers. Gary cheated. I told him before the service. So if no one shouts it out, Gary, help me out. Bill Withers. Uh, Bill Withers. Okay, here's another song that you probably don't know. You may not know it was about a breakup. Maybe you do. Uh, but it's a song everybody sings. It's a famous song. It goes like this. Every move you make. Every, every breath you take, every move you make, every single day, what? I'll be watching you. Who sings that one? The police. The police. Thing is in the police, so I'm going to give it to you. Uh, the police, right? That's a breakup song. Because he goes on to say, you know, uh, since you've been gone and, and, I, and I keep watching you and girl, we should be together. And, you know, it's all about I'm sad because you're not with me. And that reminded me actually of uh, the end of the road. There's a line in that song, what Danny was singing earlier, which says, I know you love me. You just don't realize it. Like, if she don't realize it, she probably don't love you. I mean, I think she would know, you know. And the same song about the police, I was thinking, that, that song, I mean, that's a creeper song. If somebody's stalking you like that because you're not with them anymore, you need to call the police. It's not about the song, the police. Uh, 
All right, here, here's one more. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to tell you the words because I think it's a 60s song, and I really can't sing it. It's got a lot of doo-wops in it. Uh, but how many of you heard of Neil Sedaka? Okay, okay. You remember Breaking Up is Hard to Do? Yeah. Come on. A young guy over here singing it, Breaking Up is Hard to Do. It, and I think that's interesting because if, you're, if we're honest, if, you're in a, if you've ever been in a relationship, sometimes it's hard to get out of if you're not supposed to be in it. Maybe you remember uh, like in high school or college, maybe you were in a relationship at some point and, and you knew it just wasn't right. And you're like, I got to get out of this. But it, it's hard. It's, it was difficult because when you were with them, it felt right. But when you're not with them, it's like, yeah, this is not good. That's, I got I to gotta end this thing, right? I got I to gotta break up. And I know that sometimes that's difficult to do. And I was thinking just about how sometimes that's how it is in our relationships as we bring a relationship with God, as we bring things from our past into our current relationship with God, things from the culture, things that were wrong when you look at it, but felt right at the time. And we try to start bringing that into what we're doing now. And it's like, no, I got to break up with that thing. I got to end that thing. And so uh, there's a scripture that urges us really to break up with the way that we think. And, and that's Romans chapter 12, verse two. It says it this way. Don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world. Some of your translations may say, don't conform to the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And that passage there that says, don't copy the behavior or don't conform, it comes from a phrase in the Greek that means this. It says, having an outward shape, assuming a similar expression or following the same pattern or to identify with. And I just think it's interesting that sometimes we bring things into our relationships that take on the form or a shape of something that we should have let go of a long time ago, yet it's affecting our current relationship, right? And then we say, well, God, I really want to know your will. Please show me your will. Please show me your will for my marriage. Please show me your will for my relationship. And even in this passage, what he's saying is, is if you want to know what my will is, change the way that you think. Don't copy the customs and the patterns and the behaviors of the world, especially when it comes to relationships. You start following what I'm saying in my word, and I will make known to you my will for your relationship. I will make known to you my will for your marriage. And it's good and pleasing, it's much better than the way you were doing it before. And that really is the premise for this series that we've been in, is there's a pattern or a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. And there's a way that we've been copying patterns of, or cultural patterns of relationships that we've been copying, trying to put into our relationships now and our marriages now, and it's not working. It's actually destroying relationships. So that's why I chose the song today, End of the Road, because there's some things that need to come to the end of the road in our relationships, things we've brought in from our past that are affecting our current marriage or our current relationships that need to come to the end of the road. Or maybe even if you're not married before marriage, maybe they're in a relationship that needs to come to the end of the road. You know, we, we always encourage people, hey, you need to get premarital counseling. If you're thinking about getting married, you need to get premarital counseling. And some people are afraid to get premarital counseling. They're like, well, what if they break us up? I'm like, what if they do? Like, that may be the best thing for you. Like, no one, we're not going in with the intent to do that, but wouldn't you want to know if there were some major problems before? Because after marriage, it's a lot harder to work through. So maybe that's you today, but that's really not the main focus for today. Really, I want to talk about some things that we need to bring to the end of the road. And so to do that, I am going to invite my beautiful bride, my, the love of my life up to join me. So please welcome her. Y'all are so nice. Thank She's you. definitely, well, they're just happy to see you, not me. Oh. It's definitely the better half uh, up here. So we've, uh, we've, we've got some things we want to talk about that need to come to the end of the road. And even in our relationship, when we first uh, got married, there were things that we are like, okay, now this is, we got to stop this. We can't do this anymore. And even to this day, like we're constantly looking at what are things that maybe that we're doing now that we don't need to be doing anymore. Like what are, what are some things that we can maybe default to? that need to come to the end of the road. So we're just gonna jump straight in. And if you're taking notes, uh, they're all gonna be phrased with end of to go with the song. But here's the first thing uh, that needs to come to the end of the road is the end of unrealistic expectations. Yep. This is one of the biggest problems people run into in their relationships, especially their marriages, is they just have these unrealistic expectations of what a spouse is supposed to be like, right. what their life should look like, what relationships are supposed to be. 
And it's been tainted in large part by what we've seen uh, on movies or television or even social media. And there's this comparison that begins to start. And what we were even talking about was just the fact that these unrealistic expectations, what they'll lead to is unmet expectations. So because they're unrealistic, they will go unmet. And when it goes unmet, people then fall out of love. Like, oh, that... They just never meet my expectations, and so they choose to go try to find those expectations to be met in someone else, right. not realizing that most of them were probably unrealistic from the beginning, right? right. And there are, it, yes, I want to share this scripture, Proverbs yeah. thirteen twelve. hope deferred makes the heart sick. This is the scripture that came to mind when he was talking about this, because our ex- expectations, if they're not met... If they're unmet, like he said, then we're going to naturally be disappointed. Have mm-hmm. any of you ever been disappointed, right? In a relationship and yep. in, in goals you set, whatever it yeah. is. But that scripture is so true. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You have hope. You have this expectation of your spouse or whatever relationship you're in. And then whenever those needs aren't met, you're automatically disappointed. Yeah. I like the way that the message put it. It says unrelenting disappointment yeah. leaves you sick. Uh, yep. And so if you, if you have unrealistic expectations... They will go unmet at some point, and then you'll think, i got to go and move on and find this in someone else. One of the places that we've found that, that people get these unrealistic expectations from, uh, besides just movies and, and television, is social media because yeah. they're looking at the highlights of someone else's yeah. life. Yeah. They're looking at all of the best moments, and, they, and so there's an expectation that that person's life is always this way. That person's spouse is always this way. And so then they'll create these expectations based on what the best of what somebody else is putting out there, and they'll yeah. hold their spouse to those expectations. And, and it's not healthy because you end up getting lost following someone else's relationship, right. hoping it becomes your own. Right. And, uh, and that's when you're, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you also begin to put those expectations that you see how someone else is performing yeah. You put those on your spouse, yeah. and they are never going to measure up to the fake people on TV. <laughs> and they so, are fake. They, they are, are fake. I mean, they're real. But I mean, they're real people playing fake them, characters. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so one of the things, like when we got in during our premarital counseling, one of the things that we ended up doing was we made a list, right, of our expectations. It was really detailed list. Yeah. Some were big. Some were big picture expectations. Some were little. Who's going to do the dishes? <laughs> Who's going to take out the trash? That was her deal. That's him. Yeah, her, her deal was this was an expectation that you have to take out the trash. It was just, it's what, yeah, it's what was done in our family. And I do take out the trash sometimes, what, but yes. not often. I not used to tell my friends, listen, if I die, someone just go take the trash out for her. I'm really concerned. Just show up every few days and I just, just take the trash out. just stuff it until I won't stuff anymore. And then I leave the trash container open. <laughs> yep. It's real It's bad. just coming out. It's yep. overflowing. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I fill her tank. Yeah, take her trash out. So <laughs> you just got to do what you got to do, fellas. Um, so what are, what are some, let's talk about some, some unrealistic expectations maybe. And for single people, let me give, if you're single, um, here's some things maybe that are unrealistic, okay? Sometimes single people have an unrealistic list of what they're looking for in their spouse. Right. Uh, it's like they, they have all, it's good to have a list, but many times it's unrealistic. They got to be this tall. They got to look this way. They have to have this much money. They got to have this kind of job. They got to have this house already in place. They got to have, you know, and it's right. all of these things. And I'm not, for, I'm not saying you don't need to have standards. Right. standards. We're, we're all for having standards. But I think your standards primarily need to be spiritual. That needs yeah. to be the main thing first. They need, to, they need to have a love for God and a relationship with him. They need yeah. to be living on purpose for God and his kingdom purpose. Other things are negotiable. Yeah. But so many times people have these unrealistic lists and, the, and, and even God's up there going, that guy's not created yet, girl. Like he's not, he doesn't exist, you know, and have all those things. Right. So right. Um, anyway, did you yeah. want to say anything on that? No, I, I was going to go on to oh, the okay. next one. The, the next one is that your husband or wife is here to meet all of your needs. It's unrealistic um, expectation. That is very unrealistic. I had to learn that the hard way. Um, <laughs> So I can't um, do it. I can't do it. I know. I know. Poor, poor guy. I was looking to him for things that only I could get from God. And so it's really, really easy to do in a marriage. Uh, one practical example, I'm a words of affirmation girl. Uh, that's my number one love language. So y'all don't need to all come and tell me afterwards what a great job I did. But, um, 
but it wouldn't hurt. No, no, you don't have to do I'm that. Don't do that. I'm, I'm going to know it's fake, and you, I yeah. told you to do it. Yeah. No, but anyways, so one of the things is that I wanted so much affirmation from Stephen. It was literally humanly impossible for him to give me as much as I wanted. The root issue, he's not agree I'm so not, much. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The root issue is that I didn't know who I was in Jesus, and I didn't know my identity fully in God. And so the more that I've grown in that, I do still need that, yeah. and I do still expect that from him. So learn your husband's and, your husbands and wives' needs um, and, and meet those, but you, all, you have to get all of your needs met from Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember feeling like at one point I was like, I don't, we were getting some counseling on it because I was like, I don't think I could ever give you enough effort. I mean, I'm trying. I'm going way above and beyond what I thought, but that was probably just at the level I should have been at from the beginning. So I was learning to give more. <laughs> See, she told me not to shake my head, but she, but it's true. So, so you do need, I'm not saying you shouldn't yeah. meet your spouse's needs, right? But sometimes right. it can get unrealistic. Uh, here's one, and, and Tandra told me this mainly pertains to married guys, so I think it pertains to both, but I'll, I'll speak to the men for a minute. Um, Maybe you need to let go or bring to the end the unrealistic expectation that your spouse will always be put together. Because when, you, when you're dating, you're only seeing the best part of them. You're only seeing, they're not showing up without makeup and stuff. They're, they're showing up looking their best for you. And then when you get married, you have this expectation that you're going to come home every day and they're always going to have the house perfect. They're going to be wearing makeup and then dress real cute. And then you show up at home and the house is not perfect and they don't have any makeup on and they got their sweats on or a robe on. And you're just like, what? It, what? what? This picture is different. And so you have this unrealistic expect, expectation. A lot of it's based, I think, on, like again, social media and in yeah. movies and shows because in, you can watch a movie yeah. and someone will wake up and all of a sudden they, they have their makeup on, their hair's perfect, and you're yeah. like, they just look like they stepped out of the salon. Well, they did. They put makeup on for three hours before they and took that one scene. doing it. Hallmark right. people always look perfect. Right. Hallmark is definitely something that puts yeah. you on some unrealistic expectations. Yeah. Amen, the brother said. Okay. I have, I have this robe that I got for Christmas for my mom. It's like the Tesla of robes, okay, y'all? It is legit. It's beautiful. I love it. It's not beautiful. It's not it's, beautiful. I'll it's agree cute. With that. It's really cute. And I love it. And I wear it all the time. And it does nothing for him. So, women, you gotta. You gotta I'm like, you look warm. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta let go of that expectation. Otherwise, otherwise, you're gonna get frustrated at them. Be, and I'm not saying also, by the way, you should, you know, you yes. should look nice, okay? Yes. But every day, it's probably not gonna happen. So. Yeah. Um, that, that's an unrealistic expectation, an, I think. Another thing, um, an unrealistic expectation is that your spouse or the person you're in a relationship will do the, the things, all the things, the way that your family did them. How yeah. many of you know that's not true, right? Yeah. Most of the time, it's like totally opposite of yeah. the way that your family did it. Yeah, and so one of the things we put here was, here's some, it's going to sound weird, but here's something that needs to come to the end of the road yeah. is the end of, we've always done it that way. Yep. You probably heard that if you've been in any relationship yeah. for some period of time, any marriage, well, we've yeah. always done it that way. Well, this is the way I did it. So you're just kind of expecting that they're going to do exactly the, what you've always done. Yeah. There's a funny story. Most of you may have heard it, but the, it's about the ham in the oven. And this little girl's cooking Easter lunch or some sort of lunch with her mom. And her mom puts the ham in the pan and she cuts off, or cuts off both ends of the ham and then puts it in the pan and puts it in the oven. She says, Mom... Why do you cut off the ends of the ham? Are we not going to eat the whole ham? She said, I don't know. That's what my mom did. So she goes, the little girl goes to her grandma, asks her grandma, Grandma, why do you cut the ends of the ham off? She said, I don't know. That's what my mom did. So fast forward to great, we're on to great grandma. She, the little girl says, great grandma, why, do, why does everyone, why did you cut the ends off of the hams? Anybody know the answer? The pan. I just didn't have a pan that was big enough. Yeah. So there was no, there's no there real reason no for reason it. reason for it. Yeah. So sometimes we perpetuate yep. patterns and perpetuate things that were done in the past with no real reason of why we're doing them now. And sometimes you, you're taking some meat off the bone that could be there in your relationship. See what, see, I didn't even plan that one. <laughs> now I got y'all thinking about some ham, but 
But, but you, you don't even get in the whole picture of what you need because you're, you're cutting off things just because you've always seen it that way. Yeah. And even in Genesis, this is why it says that man should leave his father and mother and join to his yeah. wife. That means that you leave, you, you, you leave that priority relationship to a new priority relationship. Maybe you need to let go of some things you did before yeah. and, and join to some new things that you're going to do now. But the problem sometimes is, is that many people... I would say a lot of people today don't grow up in a healthy family. They don't grow up with a healthy marriage as an example to look at. So they really don't even know maybe that some of the things they're doing are unhealthy. So they've normalized things that, that they're like, well, that's just normal. Everybody in my family did it that way. Or like one of the things we put here is there's, there's hurts that have been normalized, like depression or anxiety. Like, well, my mom always had depression and my grandma had depression. And so that's just normal in our family. Or or, we're always anxious or always dealing with something. And and so you bring that into your relationship or marriage and you think that's normal. And then you start to cope with it the same way they used to cope with it, right? And so you would have these normalized habits of coping that your family did not realizing that what they had was unhealthy and the way they coped with it is unhealthy. Yeah. Maybe your, your mom, to deal with her depression, would drink. And so when you begin to feel depressed or anxious, you turn to drinking. Well, that's just what we did. That's just what I saw. Right. Or maybe because your dad didn't know how to deal with the problems in his marriage, instead of coming home, he would go play golf. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just go play golf when things get tense in your relationship. Yeah. So I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Or maybe, you, you know, you, your mom always went away on the weekends when dad was home. So you didn't have to deal with the yeah. tension of the marriage. So they'd go away on a shopping trip with the girls. So you're like, well, that's what I do. I just get my girls together and I go on a shopping trip when yeah. he comes home on the weekend. Those are unhealthy patterns trying to deal with unhealthy norms right. that, that you don't even maybe realize are unhealthy. And We're not saying those things are bad. Golf is not bad. No, inherently they're not bad. bad, But it's the root of why you're doing it. Yeah. Are you trying to escape dealing with the issues in the relationship? So past family situations, past relationships, even maybe past marriages that you have had, you can't bring those things into your current one and say, well, this is normal. You've got to, you've got to work on that a little bit differently. And some of those, you know, examples that I've even heard of people that I've talked to, one of my friends growing up. Uh, his family always yelled at each other. Like they just were loud. They were loud. They were, and so like to get a word in, you had to get louder than someone else. And so it just would escalate. And I'll be like, man, y'all are yelling all the time. So that's normal. That's just the way we talk to each other. Right. So he took that into his marriage. Right. And that's normal. Right. And so they fought all the time. And now they're not even married anymore. Right. And, I mean, it's, re- it's true. It's a sad truth. But we take things that we think were normal and we just do it that way in our marriage. That's why it's so important that you get around healthy marriages and healthy yeah. examples. I mentioned that last Sunday as we were closing the service, but there's plenty of healthy marriages around here. So go mm-hmm. be around those people. Another good uh, thing that Stephen and I did whenever we first got married, we come from great families, great marriages. Um, but to sit, we sat down together and looked at, okay, what are all the things that my parents did that we loved and mm-hmm. that we didn't love? And what are all the p- things that your parents did that we loved and didn't love? And we made our own our new things. Yeah. Hey, I really love the way my family did this. Can we adopt that? Or, hey, let's not do that, that type of thing. Yeah, and we, and we even did that with marriages that we saw in our church that were healthy. Yeah. We were like, I, I like how they did this, so let's take that. Right. So we, we came together and said, we're not going to just say this is what we've always done. We're going right. to redefine what we're doing now uh, right. together. So I, that, that's a danger in your relationship is just to repeat patterns yeah. that you've seen or even that you've done before. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's another one for you, and this is a really important one, but this, is, this needs to come to the end of the road, and that's the end of unresolved conflict. Yeah. Yeah. See, conflict inherently is not bad. Conflict by itself is not bad. It's, it's a part of every relationship. People are like, well, I want a marriage with no conflict. Well, that doesn't exist. I mean, Paul said, if you marry, you will have trouble. Like this, that's what he said, 1 yeah. Corinthians 7. Like, yeah. There's good, because it's two becoming one, there's going to be some disagreements. There's going to be some conflict. It's how you handle the conflict, right? Yep. There's no such thing as a healthy relationship without healthy conflict. Yeah. Um, this is something that's really hard for me. I don't like conflict. I don't know that most people do, but, um, but I don't like conflict. I grew up in a house. Everybody was super sweet and kind all the time and perfect, and it was amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just joking. But conflict, legit, was not talked about. Like, it was just, let's just push everything under the rug, and we're going to just smile and carry on. Um, And so it was was really, really a struggle whenever we first got married. 
Because he would just like be like, hey, babe, and ask me something. We would talk about something. Some conflict. Right, some conflict. And it would just all of a sudden, she'd start crying and and be like, our marriage isn't going to work and we need counseling. And I'm like, counseling's not bad, but we're not. We're okay. Yeah. We just disagreed on how you put furniture polish yeah. on the furniture. You know, like you spray it on the furniture and then wipe it off. And he thinks you put it on the rack. It doesn't first. matter. Why? It doesn't matter. Yes. Just all, as long as it gets done, that's all conflict. that matters. No. But but since our family didn't talk about it, we yeah. used to have to. It, my family did talk about it, yep. and so when we yep. would have conflict, um, we had to make sure we would resolve it. But that was yeah. painful in the beginning because it felt like everything was a big deal. So conflict is a part of any healthy relationship, right. friendship, business relationship, marriage, any relationship is going to have conflict. The best ones are the ones who choose to work through the conflict and not to leave it unresolved. So if, if you're going to resolve conflict in a healthy way, you have to agree upon some things you're going to do ahead of time. Yeah. Knowing that it's coming, you want to agree upon how we're going to handle it so we do resolve it. And yeah. you both need to come to the place that you say, we are going to work through this no yeah. matter what, right? So what we did, and we talked about this before, is we kind of made a list of things that we said we're never, we, we, we don't want to do this when conflict arises. We called it our list of nevers, and it won't come on the screen, but if you want to write some of them down, but you can come up with your own as well. But we decided that we never wanted to have that kind of conflict in public. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is we weren't like trying to hide it, but you really can't resolve it in public often. If you start in public, and it, it can escalate into something that's not good, and you start embarrassing each other and you can't finish in public so we we don't want to start in public and to that same point we didn't want to have conflict like that in front of our kids and not because we didn't want our kids to know we had conflict we tell them we do but if you start in front of your kids what sometimes can happen is people will pull their kids into it and they'll start putting them against each other and that's not good well is it don't I always do it that doesn't she always and so then you start bringing your kids into it and now this becomes a taking sides thing Or even if you're not, if you start the conflict in front of your kids, but you finish in private, they never saw you finish. So in their mind, there's still unresolved conflict between mom and dad, and that creates a tension in the relationship. And it creates insecurity in your kids too, um, whether you know it or not. And and there have been times we have started in front of our kids, and we had to tell them, hey, we shouldn't have started this disagreement in front of you. We talked about it in private. We're good. We worked through everything. We had to let them know because we didn't want them to just sit around waiting for what's going to happen, you know, are they? Yeah, very true. Another never is um, yelling, name calling, um, especially like Stephen talked about earlier. If you come from a family, you're yellers. That's just, I'm a yeller. Um, That's not good. It's not healthy. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. So the next time if you're a yeller and you're in an argument with your spouse or with someone just calm down and begin to speak softly, and I guarantee you it's going to diffuse, diffuse, diffuse the, the argument. Situation, yeah. uh, that leads into shutting down. Uh, there's a lot of, I call them shutter downers. Um, I, I can be. Shutter down. Shutter downers. I can be a shutter downer uh, sometimes, depending on the conflict. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a good arguer, and so if I feel overwhelmed, I just, I can easily slip into that, but there cannot be resolve. You cannot resolve a conflict if you shut down down. and it really handicaps your spouse. They may be, they may be eager to help resolve this issue, but if you're done, there's no way to resolve it. Yeah. And I would just say, if you are the person, uh, if your spouse is always shutting down, you may consider how you're communicating. You may be the one causing them to shut down. Right. It's not always the case, but you, you both need to have a resolve. We're not going to shut down. Mm-hmm. We made a resolve that we didn't, wanna, we didn't want to uh, disagree or argue or fight in bed. Because for us, that was a, a place of intimacy. That was a place that was just for us. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you get tired when you get in bed. And then you are more tempted to not resolve yeah. uh, that disagreement. Because you're, you're tired and you want to go. And, yeah. Or... It will cause one person to not want to come to bed with their spouse because they're going to be like, well, I know what's going to end up happening. We're just going to end up fighting. So you let the other person go to bed and you stay up. Mm -hmm. And that's dangerous because it's not resolved. And that leads to the other one, which we say is we don't want to ever go to bed angry. Mm -hmm. And that comes, you probably heard this before. That comes from Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 and 27. That says, don't sin by letting anger control you and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. This is why you don't want to go to bed with unresolved conflict. Because when you go to bed and it hasn't resolved, the enemy is going to be in your spouse's ear Mm -hmm. speaking to them on your behalf. 
He's called the accuser of the brethren, right? He's really good at accusing you to them. He's been accusing you to you for a long time. He's really good at pointing out your faults, right? He highlights your faults to you, and he will highlight your spouse's faults to you as well. And when he does that, he's going to make you forget all of the good things, and you're only going to think about the negative things. There have been two times we, we really do work hard at not going mm-hmm. to bed angry. I can count two times that we've done that in 15 years of marriage. And I remember those two times because guess who was awake crying? Me. Um, so he. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't know. He didn't know. I didn't he didn't know. know. But, uh, but anyways, we had had some conflict in bed, one yeah. healthy, one good. And I was just super sad. But he thought we had resolved it. We hadn't. He rolls over for a good night's rest. Well, I wouldn't say and it was a good night's rest. <laughs> But I did, I did go to sleep. Yeah. I and did I go end to up, sleep. I'll, I'll spare you all the details, but I, my heart was just so broken and sad, and I mm-hmm. didn't want to be disobedient to the Lord or the Word. And here we are going to bed angry. We need marriage counseling again. Yeah. And the enemy's and, all in her ear. <laughs> the enemy was just speaking to me like if he loved you, he would roll over right now because he would just sense in the Holy Spirit <laughs> that you are still angry. And does he, he doesn't, not hear you? He you doesn't care you about you. Like, you know, and you're like, he doesn't even hear me crying. So anyways. Which is a miracle because yeah. I sleep very lightly. Yeah. But I had to write, I wrote letters like legit. I wrote down notes. I like to journal. And so I wrote him letters of all the hurts and the things he did to hurt me. And then I had to apologize for my part of the, the issue and the conflict. Um, he was very surprised. You can imagine my morning. surprise the next morning yeah. when I'm reading this note um, of all the things we didn't resolve. But here, here's the truth. Here's yeah. the truth. If it's left unresolved, it will eventually lead to a resolve to move on. Yep. Yep. If conflict is left unresolved, someone will eventually resolve to move on from the relationship. Because it's like, well, we never, we never do this. We never get to the end. There's always some conflict there. And, and you can see this. When people don't get resolve in the conflict in a relationship, they give up on the relationship. And that's why in many, in many divorce papers you will see cited unreconcilable differences. Right. We, couldn't, we couldn't really reconcile our differences. And I would, I'm not saying this is 100% of the time true, but I would say most of the time it probably could have been reconciled. Most of the time they, they could have come to an agreement if they would have really chosen to work through it. I'm not saying that's every case. Your, your case may be different, but I'm just saying most cases I've seen, it's that there was too much unresolved conflict that they just gave up. Yeah. Someone just quit. So it takes... Uh, it takes resolve to stay in it, to be humble, to forgive. Just a few verses later in Ephesians 4, after saying don't go to bed angry, verse 31 says, get rid of or bring to the end all of these things, all bitterness, rage, yep. anger, yep. harsh words, and slander. That sounds like kind of what we were talking about earlier, all the yep. things we had to make a list of nevers to do, <laughs> uh, as well as all type of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you want to have a healthy relationship, it takes that you are tender-hearted towards each other. And the more you continue to work through issues, the more your heart continues to stay soft towards that person. And that's when you can forgive. If you can't forgive them, then your heart is hardened toward them. And that's why the scriptures say, no, no, you've got to get rid of all these things. Keep your heart soft that hardened of the heart is why people leave relationships yep. because their heart yep. has been hardened. So conflict has to get resolved. And one way we've found that helps is when you resolve through it, at the end, pray together. Yeah. Because when you're praying together and you're praying for each other, it's hard to stay angry at somebody you're praying for. It reveals your heart. And so you want to close that time by praying together and saying, God, you know, Thank you for helping us come to Resolve. We pray for each other. We build each other up. Yeah. Pray out loud for each other. It's Most a powerful of the time. time. At the beginning of the prayer, you may not, he's, you know, he'll say, hey, let's pray. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait. Let's <laughs> not in the, not in the mood. You know, like, it, it, you don't feel super spiritual in that moment, but just walk out in obedience. Yeah. And, and the more that you pray over each other, um, your heart will be softened. That's right. Yep. That's right. Okay, here, here's another one. Moving on. This is a, this is a big one. Uh, the end of sexual sin. That passage at the beginning that said, we read in Romans 12 too, do not conform or don't copy the behavior of the world. There's only one other time in scripture that that passage is used, and it's in 1 Peter 1.14 that says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Many translations will say to satisfy your lustful pleasures. You didn't know any better then. This This is because it was your former life. 
But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. God's desire for your relationship is holiness. God's desire for your life is holiness. But there's been so many things from the pattern or the culture of the world that have been normalized to tell you that this is normal. It's not unholy. This is normal. This is the way everybody is. And that normalization in culture has bled into the church and bled into relationships. One of them being uh, pornography. Pornography has been normalized in our culture. People say, oh, well, you can't help yourself. You're just a man or you're, you're just a human. And, and this is what everybody else does. But what happens is, is it devalues other people. It devalues humanity to satisfy your own needs. And then what ends up happening when you're caught in that is that you lose your ability to emotionally connect anymore. Yeah. You, you lose your ability to, to sense or feel pleasure anymore in life. It really numbs you completely to to the emotions of another person. In fact, a study I saw said that pornography increases marital infidelity by 300%. When you bring that into a relationship, the chances of that person cheating or or some sort of adultery, it goes up by 300%. Time Magazine, which is a secular magazine, wrote a whole article about how this is destroying people and destroying relationships, that marriages aren't making it, that relationships aren't making it because of the normalization of pornography in our culture. I think another thing that is um, normalized is living together before marriage. Um, It's very common, and people, they want to try before they buy. So you want to check it out, check out the situation. But obviously that is not normal. Yeah, even those studies show that there's a 50% higher chance of divorce or breaking up if you live together before marriage than if you didn't. So what people think is actually going to help their marriage or help their relationship is destroying it. And it's destroying it because there's no commitment. So, so we're going to play house without the covenant of marriage. And so if I don't like it, I can just leave. And what that happens, what happens to happen over time is you just create a pattern of leaving when you're not happy. And so it it won't, it does not work out the way that culture promises you it will work out. And that, that goes along with sex before marriage or adultery in marriage. All of those things have become normalized. There's even websites to help you have an affair. That's normal in our culture. That's not normal in God's kingdom. That's not the way that it was created to be. Sex was designed by God. The enemy didn't come up with it. The world didn't come up with it. They don't, what they tell you is the right way is the wrong way. And that's why you see broken relationships. So God designed it to be beautiful, to be powerful, to be like a a fire full of passion, but that fire needs a container and the container is marriage. Because if I light a fire in my yard, it's going to burn up my yard. It's going to burn down my house. But if I light a fire in the right container of a fireplace, I can be warmed by it. I can see its beauty. It's the right container, right? So all of these things we're talking about involving sexual sin are destructive. They're destroying relationships. They're destroying marriages. And when sexual sin is involved, there's a great chance it's not going to work out. A a very high probability it will not make it. That's why God designed boundaries, the boundaries, the containers that are right. And they're always going to be pushed against by culture. Culture will always tell you, you don't need these boundaries. That's restrictive. But if you go back to Genesis two, which we've already talked about in this series a couple times, when God created Adam and Eve, verse 16 says that the Lord warned him, you may eat freely, or you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. What God was establishing here are boundaries. Boundaries that are meant to protect you from destruction, not keep you from having fun. (laughs) These boundaries, he's saying, if you break outside these boundaries, the end is death. The end is destruction. But what I love even about this passage is he says, you can freely eat. He's giving us freedom. And within that freedom, there are some boundaries, but but it's meant to protect you, not to harm you. And we, you know, tell him about our boundary when we first started. Yeah, whenever we first were engaged, um, Mm -hmm. he came in like a boss and was like, these are all of our standards and boundaries, which is what I prayed for. It was awesome. But just learned from mistakes. Yeah, Yeah. he came and set set boundaries, and we decided we weren't going to kiss until we got engaged. And so um, we did that, and uh, we kissed when we got engaged. It was awesome. 
And a few weeks later, about two weeks later, the fire was burning outside of the container. <laughs> so we were like, we, were like, this we can't do this anymore. So we quit kissing. Good. We just yeah. quit. So we're not going to kiss till marriage. Yeah. The boundaries are so important. And I think it has a negative, it naturally yeah. has a negative connotation um, whenever you hear the word boundary, but it really does set you free. Yeah. And there's so much, there's so much freedom. In there's freedom in knowing what you can't do. And I love that even if, even in the picture of the garden, you can eat of all of these trees. Yeah. There's a lot of freedom here. Yeah. There's just one thing that if right. you do this, it's going to destroy you. It's like your kids. If you tell your kids, hey, you can play in the front yard. You can play in the backyard. You can play in the house. You can play any of these places. Just don't go play in the street. Yeah. That one place is the dangerous place. But that's the one place that because there's a boundary, they're like, let's just check this out. You know? Yeah. This is what culture will tell you to do. It's not dangerous. It's normal. Just go on with it. The relig- you know, religion, God, Christianity, that's so restrictive. No, it's very freeing. Yeah. It's very freeing. For sure. And if you want the fire that comes uh, with God's way, you've got to put it in the right uh, container. So true freedom comes when you have boundaries yeah. and you have accountability mm-hmm. that can help you stay within those boundaries. And we tell you all of this because God's ways are always better. They're always better. They're not just good advice. They're better. And if you're, if you're caught in sexual sin, I just want to say this today. If you're caught in this, yeah. so many people are. You can be free. Yeah. You don't have to live as a slave to that anymore. Yeah. The Bible says you don't have to obey your flesh anymore. You can be free. But you need to get it into the light. You yeah. need to talk to somebody. You need to get in a group. You need to come to somebody in prayer. You can get free. And it will help every relationship you have. I promise you. Some that. of you, I just felt from the Holy Spirit. There may be some of you here today. You're waiting to get free from the sexual sin before you come into relationships and to friendships with other people at the church or before you find community or before you come. I mean, you're here today, but maybe you're online before you come step in the building. You have so much shame from sexual sin, but God says, no, I want to set you free from that. So come to me with it and I'm going to set you free. You can't, you can't get free on your own. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And that leads us to our last one I want to share with you today. And that is um, the end of secrecy. Secrecy is a big deal um, in relationships today, especially in marriages. Uh, there's a lot of people that try to hide things from their spouse. But listen, transparency, honesty, and openness are required for a marriage specifically to work. Yeah. Transparency, I think, is good for any relationship, but specifically in, in marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, again, going back to the garden, which was our picture of perfection, says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is that joining together, right, of becoming one. And then 25 says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, man, I know we like to use that verse for something else, okay? And I'm not saying you can't use that in the context of your marriage, but I'm just going to say that's not the context of the passage, okay? <laughs> What this passage is talking about is that there was nothing hidden from each other. Yeah. There was no shame because there was nothing hidden. Right. When, when you start to hide things, shame comes in. So yeah. this is a picture of transparency. This is a picture of openness. This is a picture of there's nothing hidden between her and I. And so we even like to say things like, my phone it, there is naked and unashamed. Because she can look at it and see whatever she wants at any time. My computer is the same way. Yeah. My social media is the same way, right? There was an app years ago that came out. It was called Snapchat. I'm sure there's many others now. But when I was telling Tandra about this app, she's like, you're not getting that app. That's a cheater app. And it I was like, disappears. it all disappears. And, no one ever knows. and I was like, all right. So I never, I've never had it, right? But your spouse should have freedom to say that and to look into everything. Yeah. That you, No one slides into my DMs because right. she can see it, right? Listen, some people, this is how it starts. Single people, it's a little, you know, you guys, I don't know what's going on in your DMs, but you need to shut some things down in there. But I, here's what happens with married people I know is a friend from high school maybe that you dated will just message you. Hey, looks like life's going real well for you. Starts a conversation that doesn't seem bad on the surface, but you don't tell your spouse about it. So then it stays private, and that opens the door to opening to an affair later from a small little communication that's private. So she sees my direct messages. Mm -hmm. There are actually a lot of people that see my direct messages on our staff. So if you've ever messaged me, I'm sorry. Other people see it. Because I don't want there to be any accusation of like, oh, well, I messaged him privately and no one knew about it. Yeah, they did. Lots of people do. So... 
You need to keep as much open and honest. Right. We do a few other things, um, trying not to be alone with the person of the opposite sex yep. in cars, in meetings. Yep. Um, we have some great friends, and uh, but I, I'm not going to be alone with even some of his best friends. That's just not going to happen because it's not healthy. Um, and yeah. even if I'm, I know my heart is right, it doesn't mean that I'm struggling with sexual sin, but um, it creates... Um, it, it we don't can want lead even to the, other things. Yeah, and we don't even want the appearance of right. it. And right, so, sure. you know, we, we do our best to do that. And it's not because we're weak. Yeah. It's because we're human. Yeah. I heard it said, yeah, you're just one step away from stupid, right? <laughs> so you want to you remove any steps that could lead to stupid, yeah. okay? Yeah. And you can look in the culture today and see how easy it is, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 talks about temptation and how no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But most people skip verse 12. And verse 12 says, be careful if you think you can't fall because yeah. that's when you're going to fall. Yeah. So that's why we say, oh, well, well, why are you putting up all these restrictions and boundaries? Because I know that I'm a human. Yeah. Right. And that opportunity, if I'm not a, a, aware of it, could take advantage of me. So, uh, and, and that's why that scripture in Genesis talks about becoming one flesh. When you yeah. become one, there is nothing hidden. Yeah. You're just, you're one now. So this is the way we put it in our notes. There can be no intimacy without transparency. Everybody wants intimacy in a relationship, but you can't have true intimacy without transparency. And even that phrase, intimacy, I've heard it said this way, it's into me you see. So the more you want someone to be intimate with you, the more transparency you have to have, the more you have to allow them to see into every part of you. And this isn't just, we naturally think of physical intimacy, Mm -hmm. but this isn't just talking about physical intimacy. Um, Men, I say this in love, but many of you want your wives to be intimate with you physically, but you're not willing to open up to them with emotional intimacy, sharing your dreams. And this may be reversed in your, in your marriage. I don't know, but it's important to share your dreams, have emotional intimacy, share your dreams, your likes, your dislikes. One of the biggest ways to be transparent is just being honest and humble and communicating. Mm -hmm. It's really letting them know, letting them know when you're weak, letting them know when you're hurting, letting them know when you're having a bad day. You don't have to be strong all the time. You got to communicate that. See, for your spouse, you were meant to confide in them, not hide from them. You're supposed to confide every part of you in them. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm going through. You should know every hurt, every emotion, all those things going on. I don't hide them from you because when I do, I give place to the enemy to come in and begin to speak things to me. That's why I love the prayer David prayed. He said, God, search my heart and know me. Know every part of me. Why did David pray that? Because he wanted intimacy with God, and he, so he knew he had to have transparency with God. Right. I can't hide anything from you, God, and still have an intimate relationship yeah. with you. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. You remember when they sinned? What'd they do? They covered themselves. Shame entered in, so they covered themselves, and they hid from God. And God comes into the garden and says, where are you, Adam? God doesn't ask a question he needs an answer to. He knew where Adam was. He wasn't asking, where's your geographical location, Adam? He was saying, where's your heart, Adam? You're hiding from me. There's no transparency here anymore. And that's really the, the, the picture of a healthy marriage and healthy relationships. There's nothing hidden. Your spouse knows when you're hiding something. And, it, and, and if you want to have a healthy marriage specifically, you have to reveal your whole heart to them. There can be nothing hidden, just like your relationship with God. There can be nothing hidden. Your spouse wants your whole heart the way God wants your whole heart. So for, for our relationships to work, for our marriages to work, there's some things that need to come to the end of the road. There's some things you've brought in, some patterns you've brought in, some things that maybe today you recognize were unhealthy. Right. And you say, we, we got to shut that down. We got to quit or, or go ahead. Yeah, there may be things that we didn't even talk about today. These are yeah. some things that we had to do, but um, we're going to pray in a minute and ask the Holy Spirit, show me, show, yeah. show my spouse, show me what, what needs to come to the end of the road in our relationship, whether we're married or, uh, or not in another relationship. Maybe. Yeah. And I just want to give you guys some hope today. God, God wants your marriage to work. God yeah. wants your relationship to succeed. If, yeah. if he's at the center of it, it's going to, you yeah. can win in marriages, despite what you see all over the culture, you can win. But yeah. today you need to just say, God, are there things I need to quit doing? that we were doing before that are destroying or hurting our relationship. Amen. Come on, let's stand together at both campuses. And if you're with your spouse, I want you to take them by the hand if you can or put your arm around them, get close to them. And let's just take a minute 
And let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you to speak to us, God. We see in your word, Lord, repeatedly over and over again, Lord, that the way that things are done in the world, the way that things are done in culture, God, they're destructive, God, and they're hurting our relationships, they're hurting our marriages, God. And so today we make a resolve, Lord, that we're not going to copy the patterns and the behaviors, God, but we're going to copy the patterns and the behaviors in your word, Lord. We're going to quit normalizing things that are unhealthy, God, and, and start saying, Lord, what do we need to change? And I just pray even right now for marriages today, God, that are saying, show us, Holy Spirit, show us something. Right. Maybe it's not something we mentioned, like Tandra said. Just ask God, is there anything I need to quit doing? Yeah. It's like David, search my heart. Know me. Right. Search our marriage. Right. Teach us things that we need to change. Yes. I just pray today, God, Lord, that hope would, would come into people's relationships. Hope would come into marriages, God. Those that are hurting, those that are broken, those that might be on the edge of destruction, Lord. I, I, I just pray, God, that there would be a resolve to fight for that. There would be a resolve to say, I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to start doing things God's way. I'm going to start looking to Scripture. I'm going I'm to reject the patterns of the world, and we're going to start changing some things. And I pray that hope comes in today, God, and that they would see your beautiful picture of marriage, how you designed it to be. Pray for healthy marriages, healthy hearts, that we would be a light to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.